0: Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 219 and this episode is with James Russell. James is the fitness and conditioning coach at Gillingham. This is a really interesting episode for a few reasons. Firstly, James reached out to me on Twitter to talk about coming on the podcast. and Not only did he reach out, we have a few people reaching out to us to come on. He also talked about the things that he wanted to discuss and that is one thing I'd say that if you do want to come on the podcast and um, have a little think about some topics that you want to talk about as well, because it, it really does help the conversation and getting the podcast booked in as well. But the other thing, which I think is really, really beneficial, is that the current situation at Gillingham is that they're bottom of the football league. As we recorded the podcast, they're bottom of the football league. So James wanted to come on at a time that was really challenging at the club. And talk about his experiences, which I thought was incredibly brave, but also I think a lot of coaches can take a lot from the things that he covers in this episode. I always ask for shares of the podcast, but honestly with this one, I found this this episode really, really interesting. James has got a great experience and background at a number of different clubs, in different roles as well, which we get into in the episode. But please, please give this one a share. Because there's so many takeaways from this episode with James on his experience, but also what he's going through currently at the club. And we get into his mindset around dealing with the current situation and how he keeps players on track. And there's so, so many takeaways on this. If you're in a similar position at your club as well, it will be definitely beneficial to uh, listen to the episode too. So please give this one a share. Like I said, we talked about his background. He's got a number of different years in of experience at different clubs. Um, we spoke about how sports science and coaching crosses over. He's doing his, his licenses at the moment, so we talk about that. We talk about dealing with disappointments. And then we talk about the emotional management of players as well at a time where it's challenging and results aren't going their way, how that impacts his role and how that impacts his approach as well so loads of great stuff in this episode with James I mentioned in the previous episode that we have now confirmed our first event of 2023 that is at Huddersfield Town on Tuesday the 31st of January 6 till 9pm we've got three presenters at the event, Head of Physical Performance Paul Bauer, we've got Head of Academy Physical Performance Luke Dobson and also Head of Strength Callum Adams all presenting for us And all presentations will be on the topic of the alignment of performance and development within professional football. So as this goes out, early bird tickets are still available. So make sure you go to footballfitfed.com, click the shop tab and purchase your tickets there. I also just want to give a quick shout out to a few people that have left reviews recently over on iTunes. So please head over and do so if you've not done one already. We've got a five star review a must listen if you work within performance sport ben does a brilliant job of curating top quality guests that deliver some of the best cpd available we've also got another review again five stars so big thank you for that i've listened to the podcast for a while now and become a member of the community it feels great being part of a community where we can support each other learn and grow together and there's a little bit more to that review as well so a huge thank you to everyone that's left a review recently if you've not done one already Please head over to iTunes, click the five stars and leave a short comment because it does massively help boost the profile of the podcast and the guests that we can get on the podcast as well. Now, just before we get into the episode, I want to say a massive thank you to our sponsors. First up, Hytro. Have you ever tried blood flow restriction for recovery? Hytro has developed the world's first BFR wearable, unlocking the recovery benefits of BFR to support athletes. BFR is no longer just for one-to-one physio or rehab. Hytro allows teams to use this safe and scalable sports BFR device post-exercise to dramatically enhance recovery. Whether in the changing room post-game, during away game travel, in the hotel or at home, Hydro has created a simple and effective tool that allows BFR to be delivered to athletes and squads simultaneously, safely and more conveniently than ever before. Check them out at Hytro.com, that's H-Y-T-R-O.com. Or you can email Warren, that's Warren Bradley, on Warren at Hytro.com to find out how Hytro BFR can give your athletes a competitive competitive edge. And just finally, a massive thank you as well to Rezzle doing some incredible work at Rezzel. so go and check them out on social media at rezzle and let's get into episode 219 of the podcast with james russell rezzle is the world's number one virtual reality sports trainer whatever your team your sport your ability improve your game and train like a pro. Reactions, performance, accuracy, stamina, resilience. Train at home in the Rezl Sports & Fitness VR training arena. Search Rezl, R-E-Z-Z-I-L. Harder, stronger, smarter. The world's number one virtual reality sports trainer. Available now on MetaQuest. Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 219. I'm delighted to welcome onto the podcast today. Fitness and conditioning coach at Gillingham, James Russell. How are we?
1: Yeah, good, mate. Good. Nice to see you, Ben.
0: Yeah, you too, mate. You too. Thank you very much for freeing up a bit of time and coming on.
1: Yeah, no worries. Yeah. Always.
0: If you can start us off, mate, as we always do. Yeah, I know you might have listened to a few of the podcasts recently, so you know, you know the structure. Your background, what's led up to the role at Gillingham?
1: What's led up? Uh, um, how long you got? Uh, I've got <laughs> I got fourteen. this is my full season. So, yeah, reasonable, well, I like to think a reasonable amount of experience. Uh, we can talk about what you think experience is as, as I sort of go through it. But um, started off at uh, Liverpool John Moores on the science and football programme. That was my, my first taste of sports and exercise science at sort of the education level. Um, under the eyes of Barry Drust. Um, and that moved quite swiftly into a, an Enfield with Graham Close, uh, looking at vitamin D supplementation. Um, but that that sort of coincided with a, a work placement at Rochdale Football Club. So I was living living in Liverpool at the time to so get myself over to north side of Manchester. Um, absolutely fantastic. And I, I, love, I love football. Uh, I loved it before I went to uni. Loved it during... Um, so the, when the opportunity came up and they put the work placements out, there were boys and girls going to sort of Liverpool, Everton, Tranmere, And there was a, there was a slot for Rochdale. And I thought, well, let's have a look at that to get a uh, key into that. Cause people that I'd spoken to that had gone there previously said, it's, you jump straight in at the deep end as an intern, they'll throw you right in and you'll get all of the experiences. So I went, oh, that's perfect for me. Like, so we turned up there. It was two of us, um, and it was the first week or two was an absolute battering. Like these two young students that had come in were working with the youth team predominantly. Um, and it really was jump straight into the deep end. So I think it's the second day that we travelled over there. Uh, the youth team manager at the time had said, look, these are yours. Uh, take them for an hour in the gym um, and crack on. You were like, well, I've never been in that setting before. Never, never really worked with a group of athletes before. Like how, how and what is that supposed to look like? Um, but it, it sort of evolved the very first sessions. We had a really basic gym at Scotland, with a, a, a space under the stand to do, uh, well, I can't remember now, so plyometrics, but making it up, making it up as you go along, Ben, making it up as you go along. And it sort of evolved the role, uh, the, the trust improved, increased. And I think I had a level of self-confidence from having played the, the game at a semi-pro level. Um, so that sort of helped me out in terms of communicating and, and being vocal with a group of under 18s. Um. And it touched on everything. You've got, you got everything from S&C to sports science to, to filming. Um, I used to go across to the games on a Saturday at Ashton and, and film the games and, and clip those. So it was a holistic, all-inclusive internship package, which has set me on my way, really, for, for, for the last 14 years. Um, obviously, I needed to come home and, and earn some money. Um, so I'd left university, I'd completed my master's, I'd come back, moved back home, which is Medway, um, south, uh, southeast, southeast uh, North Kentway. Um, an opportunity came up at Notts County. So I saw an advert there to work with the first team. Uh, again, another internship role. So I went for it and, and got it. Um, and that was working closely with Johnny Wilson, who again is, is one of the real people in my career. I have a lot to, to thank for. Um, I spent 10 months with him, met a lot of people, met a lot of players, met a lot of managers, and now you're. You're in the first team environment where it's completely different, a completely different um, kettle of fish. Again, I'm unpaid, but I felt that the knowledge that you were gaining, the experiences that, that you were gaining was every, every bit as valuable as any money that you could, they could offer you. Um, it was about trying to be in there every day uh, down at the training ground. Probably sort of green behind the ears to start with. Again, just feeling my way, especially on the grass. Um, being confident about doing warm-ups to start with, um, but there was a lot of there was a lot of really good internal CPD under Johnny um, as a department, sort of mixed from sports science and medicine across the across the board. And I would say that was as good, if better, than any sort of sports science degree that you could go on. And I really I really enjoyed my time at John Moores, but it wasn't until you get in there you feel wow, this is uh, this is now you have to apply what you've learned. Um, and how did that, that, that came about? I think at the time there was the triple P was sort of making a noise and there were lots of jobs going in, in academies. Um, so moving on from there, I'd, I'd, I'd been offered a job at Charlton. I'd gone down for the interview to work with the, to be the head of sports science and medicine for the academy. Um, and I'd gone in for the summer. I did some prep work, teeing things up whilst the boys were all away on, on holiday. Um, and I never got any paperwork at such. So I wasn't tied down to anything at that point. And like in football, it's probably the first moment of many where the phone just rang. And it was it was Martin Allen from my time at Notts County. He goes, <laughs> nicknamed Mad Dog, and, and you can ask me questions on that later for a reason. <laughs> he hello, goes, hello, James, what are you doing? I said, I'm just watching the Euros. I think it was the summer of the Euros or World Cup was on. And he goes, I'm in Gillingham. Where are you? I said, I'm five minutes away. Why? He said, I want you to join me. Come down come down and join me. So I, I went to meet him at a... Uh, one of the hotels around the corner that he was staying, he goes, "I want you. This is what we're doing. You're an intern that worked with me last year. Here's your first paid role." Um, I said, "Well, I've, I've got, I've got something going at Charlton." He went, uh, "Let me see the paperwork. Send that to me." And within half an hour, it was sort of all, it was all sorted. So uh, that was me into, into Gillingham with my first bell here. Um, and what? When I say a whirlwind of a season, a whirlwind of a season, we were, we were top all year. And it was one of the hardest years trying to maintain everything that we were trying to do. And we were all about doing the basics well. So everything sports science, nothing fancy, limited budget, do the basics well. And there's a lot of that that stays with me, a lot of that in my work that that will never leave me. So from nutrition to recovery, um, to prep work, to being good in the gym, um, travel, everything, everything we had covered. Um, We had a a fantastic time with fantastic staff um, in a club that's local to me. I used to come and watch this club when I was younger, so it it meant a little bit more, perhaps. Um, So certainly a a career highlight. Um, And then, unfortunately, as as things do, probably in football and experience, I I got myself injured in the training session. So it was under a different manager at this point, um, and i ruptured my ACL. So... There I am, sort of ruptured my ACL, two or three weeks down the line, hobbling about, needed surgery, a real experience. I didn't know how to cope with it. The football club certainly didn't know how to cope with it. um, And they made a tough decision to move me on, Um, which is a a story I don't really want to go into too much. But yeah, harsh, really, really hard. That was football biting. We'd just done really well two and a half years into the job. And and that was me moved on as cut and dry as that, simple as that um but i didn't linger i didn't i didn't feel i needed to, to sit around too long um the, the the pay up money if you like I went private to get my acl repaired uh as soon as possible that was in the november by the december i'd had the surgery uh, and the phone went so two weeks out of surgery the phone went um again dagging and redbridge hi james look we're, we're looking for somebody to come in can you come and watch our game saturday and then come in for a meeting with us on, on monday i thought wow like how's your luck and I don't know how that come about still to this day. Don't know how numbers get exchanged in the ether of, of sort of football. Um, but there I was uh, in Dagenham. Like, again, a tra- little bit of travelling, but not too much. Just a real down-to-earth club with some real core values where I thought I could take that mantra of doing the basics well and really in- improve what, I was, what was already set up. Um, and we did well for, for a short period of time. Worked with some fantastic managers, um, some really experienced people. Um, and I left every minute of it there Um, and then oddly enough the phone went again but it was was the manager at the time pulled me into a meeting and said he's taking a phone call I was like right okay where's this going? and he goes "Um, you're leaving I was like I'm being moved on again what's going on what do you mean you're off I said I really don't know what you mean he goes I've had had another manager on the phone he goes I want to move you he he wants to take you to Barnet um, I was like, right, fine, okay, and he wants he wants to take his assistant manager. I was like, like wow, like where, how, how does that work? What does that look like? Yes, get me there. Uh, everything as you can imagine, just spinning my head. So uh, meeting up again with Martin Allen, and when I say assistant manager, it's not, and I've always said it's not what people think. It was somebody to go in and assist the manager. So it all the sort of tactics, all the team prep, I was going to be stood back listening, watching learning. Mm. It was about me organizing the team uh, in terms of travel, training, set play set play is probably the only bit of sort of tactical element that I would be able to have a little input in, so you watch videos and, and you plan and prep a team off the back of that whilst trying to head up the sports science department that had a uh, a couple of really good interns at the time working underneath me so a really strange experience it lasted for six months uh, and the phone went again uh, and it was martin again he goes we're leaving we were in the playoffs at the time of barnet i said where are we going he goes easily so i have to get google maps out because uh, <laughs> at the time we were we were doing really really well with barnet we're thinking we're going this could be the championship calling it could be anything um it wasn't it was easily um but people that know football say if you know the levels then you there's another opportunity there. Um, and it's probably the first time in my career that I found it really difficult as, as a pair going down there with a goalie coach as well was a really difficult time to put anything in place to... Um, as they'd had a few managers and the, there's a, quite a little bit of money flowing about down there. Really difficult. Uh, results didn't go away early on. Um, and and that was that, really. The, the manager got moved on and it's probably my difficult... When you say a highlight, the most difficult time in, in football, that was it. It was a six to eight week period, I believe, where it was clear that the football club didn't want me. Um, and you really have to sort of dig in, I would say. Like, um, and it, it it's happened, to, happened to loads of people, but it was new to me at the time. Like people suddenly didn't like you. You weren't, no one was listening to you. That the fitness and the sports science wasn't being bought into. Um, you, you're not an assistant manager. You haven't done your badges uh, what are you doing here? And it was a real eye-opener for me, a learning, a real learning curve in the dark side of football. And we'll, I won't go into the details of how I ended up um, moving on from there, but it wasn't, it wasn't uh, short after Martin had left that I was out the door as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so a really difficult experience being away from the family and, and, and getting moved on in the manner that, that I did. Um, and I thought, that's me for football. Like, I'm done. Um, so I left the game for a period 10 months so uh, did a little bit of traveling off my own back um, saw the world a little bit and fell into a lecturing job in London which meant commuting up uh, and preparing slides and lectures and students and um, again a real valuable experience more so for for the teaching element and trying to get across points and and organizing uh, organizing lectures and delivering um, something that at the time I maybe didn't value as much but now the stage I mean, now in now my career sort of being able to communicate and get my ideas across and and help coach and being around the gym environment and explain what I really really want so that was a that was a moment in my career out of football uh, I think eight months at the time lecturing in London that was difficult was difficult for, but for different reasons and then the phone went again and it was Gillingham it was some old friends that the position was reopened if you like, and. I was back so quick. Um, and it was uh, some great people here, some people that really love the club and had the best interests at heart. Um, and we got, I got back into the rhythm just being the sports scientist, which I absolutely loved, just getting hold of it again. Didn't have to worry about any of the coaching. Didn't have to worry about anything else going on in, in my life and, and, and my career. Um, and you feel like um, I got written down here, not, not a complacency, but I had my, um, my daughter came along and I'm local and I know there's some things around that, that lots of people have spoken upon starting families in the football and she was my world and not knock on effect. Cause my drive was very much there to, to deliver the basics and more now. So I was at the stage where I had the basics ready and ready to go. And, but we wanted to kick on the department. Mm. So in terms of personnel, equipment, technologies, etc. So that was the, my remit coming back. Um, and I think my my development maybe stuttered becoming a dad. There were I wasn't going on so many courses, uh, I wasn't networking, um, be open and honest enough to say you, you short stagnate a little bit for a two, two, three year period. And that that is what really happened to me. Um, and the managers changed again. And we we I know the elephant in the room as I'm speaking, and a lot of people know that at, at the time Gillingham are aren't doing so well at the moment, and that's absolutely fine. I wanted this to sort of be a I don't want to address that. I don't want to go into the, do too much detail on that. But I wanted to to be brave enough to come onto such a podcast and and speak open and honestly to a sports science community where maybe those experiences haven't been shared. Yeah. Um, so when it's when the chips are down, who's going to stand up and be counted and and in a, in a relegation season? That's really really hard. Um, and in, in the midst of that, I decided upon myself that wasn't going to let, whilst COVID was going, I wasn't going to let any of that negativity sort of take my career in a different direction than I wanted it to. So I got hold of my A licence, started that. And what an experience that was day one at St. George's Park from somebody that had done bits of coaching and labelled as an assistant manager. But the the, the chasm from where I was in terms of coaching to, to some of the people on the course was miles off. And I thought, this is a year this is a 12 month course. I could be here for two, three years trying to do this. Hmm. Um, And I was in the end, I was there and I'm brave enough to say that it took me longer than the rest of my cohort to complete that, uh, that AE license. And I think at the time I I was, the purpose of doing it was to improve my knowledge around the game, uh, improve my skill set, especially on the grass and being able to transition from um, knowledge and being able to apply that Tactically, so uh, tactical periodization was a, was a big strength of mine within taking the course. I think that was something that I really latched onto um, and was able to bring back and grow and develop uh, at the football club, especially, especially now with the management that, where the demands for that side of the game are, are much higher. Um, I feel like I'm pleased I've done, done the A licence for that reason because I feel at the moment I'm able to meet those criteria. Um, and I'm still learning. There's still loads. I, if you talk to anybody that knows me at the moment, I'm not a, I'm not a football coach. I'm just a I'm, a, I'm a sports scientist who's got a good understanding of the game and can put sessions and drills on to take the pressure off what is a small staff. So with a current manager, assistant manager, who are fantastic people that they need the help. And, and hope, hopefully there's, there are moments in the session and in the week where the planning, the, it's not all on them to get out on the grass and I can alleviate some of those pressures to help yeah. them focus. Um, yeah, so that's that's really where, that's 14 years in a nutshell. I don't know how long that was. Was that 14 minutes? But it felt like there were loads loads of bits in there that you, you're welcome to pick apart. Um, and, and we'll go from there, yeah.
0: Mate, what a breakdown. That was awesome. I, I love not just the fact of talking about it on a time scale, but also you've covered so many challenges and giving a real insight into the real world of football there as well um and and how it works and one i've got a couple of areas i want to go to but the, the first area i want to take you right back to where you you mentioned about coming out the internship and martin allen making that call to say i'm going to give you your first paid role what was it do you think you can say from your perspective also maybe if you've had any feedback from him as well what was it about you do you think
1: um, Martin was into people he was into who you are your values um, probably he'd be fair to say didn't know too much about what I was delivering mm. um, but I think his personality and mine uh, really matched um, so I think if we, if we asked him honestly that would be it I'd say being able to communicate and um, just being the right person we talk about there's a
0: lot of people in that similar situation with internships because you see it all the time and a lot of people have been very honest on the podcast that have said that they basically wasted opportunities and that is highlighting the fact that there can be some real positives that come out of these opportunities can't there?
1: Yeah all I'd say with internship and the opportunities um, especially what I rushed out to start with I was putting myself into rooms where I perhaps shouldn't have been if that makes sense not not doing anything I shouldn't have done but we're in team meetings and I'll just slide into the back of the room or we're 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 at half time like sort of when I was with the 18s, you're shadowing with the first team. So, John Lucas was my mentor from a first team perspective. So, I would ask him questions, listen. I don't think when I have interns down here, they, they look and listen enough. Mm. Watch what's going on around you, like pay attention to the details. Um, and don't, you don't have to act on them straight away. It's all right to be, it's all right to take it in and in the right moments, ask questions. So, that's where now with my interns, I like to say, take a look, take a step back. No one's asking you to jump straight in. Look, listen, and then ask the questions appropriately at the right moments. Beyond that, and I think that's what my internship was about. Even into Notts County, it was about look, listen, and try and understand, and carry yourself where you're first in and last out. I think that's that would have been an, an, another strong point because I loved it so much. And that's not me bigger um, myself. I, I just I felt that I gave the internship absolutely everything, um, and the opportunity. The opportunity came from there. Like I said, I I got offered the job at Charlton off of off the back of an internship, but quickly emerged into my first first team role. Um, So, yeah, that answers that.
0: Yeah, 100 percent. I'm going to jump around a little bit because I'm going to take you back to sort of present day. Um, And and it's something that I really respect to the fact that you've you've came on at this time to talk about what you're doing in the club in a hard, tricky position at the moment. But I think it's really important at the same time. I always say at the end of the season, I think we look at leagues and we focus so much on what clubs have done at the top end. Practitioners have done an amazing job. They've won the league. And we forget that there's practitioners down the bottom that have done equally, if not better jobs. But there's more to what we do than just the sports science support, isn't it? There? There's results and a lot of other things that come as a part of that as well.
1: Yeah, I like, and I have, to, I have to sort of jump onto that and say, I agree with you. I think when I listen to podcasts, there's lots of positivity um, in moments of success. And that, that's fantastic. And it's always great to listen to people that are in those moments of their career. And I, I always think in football, if you're going to have a long longevity in the game, you're going to have these moments. You don't want too many of them because you won't be in it long. And it's how you react and get out of those. Yeah. Um, so people are, if you're going to be in football, you're going to get moved on. You're going, to, you're going to be, well, hopefully you're not suffering relegations, but it was one of the best experiences I've come across in football because um, there are many things out of your control and it humbles you. Um, and it gives you, a, gives you an inner drive. Certainly me being a, being a hometown club of mine that I wasn't going to sit back and, and accept it for what I could control. Um, so we reviewed a lot in the summer. We spoke about uh, a Japanese model of Kaizen and, and looking at every process, the level of detail, where can we improve? Where can we, um, where can we really take the club forward that where, where budget is an issue? You know, we always have to be honest that like we can't go out and, and buy bits of tech or, or bring people in. So we latched onto the universities as we always do, and we brought in some good people this year. Um, and we've got Vald came in and really helped us out. Um, that's taken us up a level. Uh, the food's improved, little things like that around the club um, that were perhaps in a relegation season really difficult to uh, to maintain um, around COVID and, and what was going on in the football club at the time. We've just recently managed to, to pump ourselves up to Vector. So we're, we're always looking for, for improvements here. And I'm, I'm hoping that one of those that we, where we stick to our guns, believe in our principles and, and it will come good. And I'm a, I'm a strong believer of that, and I think that's probably the message of jumping onto this podcast in a moment where it's it's tough. That actually these are the moments that test your principles, and and it will come good, and you have to believe that. Um, in what is already a tough season with a squad of 16 to 18 senior pros, and we're 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 on track, we're on track to play the most amount of games in this club's recent history. So it's tough. We're never, we're in the we're in the League Cup, we're in the FA Cup, which is great. Uh, we're preparing for a game tomorrow night um, on, on on a limited uh, squad size, but with some great people doing your absolute best to to mitigate any any excuses. Um, and I think that that's me being honest. And um, hopefully, there's some value in those comments.
0: Hundred percent. It's been great to see the growth of our community over the last few weeks. There's constantly new people signing up, which is great to see, taking up the 30-day free trial. You can do that, if you've not done it already, by going to footballfitfed.com, clicking the community tab and signing up there. It'll give you one month free. We've recently had practitioners from clubs like Celtic, Tramier, Blackpool, Malmo, West Ham and numerous others as well all signing up and joining the community After your 30-day free trial, you do then get access to our members' WhatsApp group as well, and the monthly membership is only £4.99 per month. So make sure you go and check it out, footballfitfed.com, click the community tab and get yourself signed up there. Here's part two of the podcast with James Russell. I think the other thing, sort of piggybacking on what Ian Cole mentioned a couple of episodes ago was... When results aren't going the way of uh, that you want them to go, as practitioners, and probably practitioners that are maybe a little bit le- less experienced and that haven't been in these situations before, it's very easy to start second-guessing your philosophies and your habits, and you mentioned before about you're doing the basics really well. It's It's re- very easy to turn and start second-guessing everything you're doing, isn't it? So what's your mindset in this period in terms of I put these things in place for a reason and these are the things we're going to stick to? How how do you stop yourself from second guessing?
1: You know what? And and honest, probably two weeks ago was my first second guess. So I reviewed myself, nobody else, nothing else, no other situation. Looked at myself and went, ah, we must be, we're doing the right things, James, and we, we we are. But it's me talking in my head. And you think, yeah, like like we are, we we are we 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 research, we we network, we speak to other people. There's a plethora of experience within the football club, um, and we've, we we believe we are, and we've taken it so far. And people say there's a glass ceiling, but well, let's take it further. Let, let's see what else we can add to that principle. And um, you've got your values, and, and don't if you fall on your sword, you fall on your sword. That's that's the way that, that football works and life works. Um, so we're trying not to come away from anything that we've we, we've put in place, and we're really we've had a lot. of, I say we've had some success from from an injury perspective. Our availabilities, soft tissue wise, is is good. Touching wood, um, the fitness of the lads is good. Like we're happy with that. So are we are we doing the wrong right things? Are we doing the wrong things? And it's important, I think, to have the experience of the staff to help you. Um, Realise that and, and come together and keep delivering, and it will come good. Um, we have January round the corner, and it's no, 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 no secret the football club needs help, um, and it's in a transition period off the field. Um, so we just have to be ready for that as well, and, and deliver when the positivity does join the football club again. Um, we are able to kick on and get this this club at the edge of London back to the championship where it could, where it's been before, and where it should be
0: with with that moment James you mentioned there about having those conversations. I know you sort of said about having them with yourself in your head which we all do all the time don't we but who's your network like who who are the sounding boards in that moment is it people at the club and I don't necessarily mean you pulling out names and saying it's this person this person this person but are there specific people that you turn to in that moment and say exactly what you just said. Are we doing the right things? I've got all these principles in place, but are these right? Or is this a time to change? Yeah. and I, I,
1: there, are, there are people within the football club that are excellent at having those conversations open. And honestly, I think some people struggle around a table to, to take criticism. And at times like, it's difficult. You have to learn to take the criticism. Yeah. But it's how you respond to that and action that and review. Um, so the people within the football club that are certainly very good at that, um, and there are people in my network. Again, I, I won't name names that I'm able to phone up, that I'm able to sort of offload on a little bit and, and I get a little bit back. Um, that People that have had those experiences previously um, really helps out, really helps the mindset.
0: Brilliant. Yeah, no, I, think, I think it's really important, isn't it, to have those people, and like I say, it doesn't need to be people specifically, but I think it's people that, that challenge you in a good way um, I'm trying to think of the, the phrase, I think it was James Malone used a great phrase. Um, it'll probably come to me in a little bit, but on the, on the, the, his podcast around sort of the role of a mentor, and it doesn't have to be anyone official, but that's essentially what we're looking for in those mo- moments, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. Somebody somebody that you know has been there, been to the next level. We're, we talk about high performance at the moment, and we create a high performance environment. Yeah. Um, and we're using every resource available to us to try and do that and I believe we are I believe we are on, on the tracks to try and do that um, but when it when it doesn't when you I say how the word when you're aiming for the high performance but you're not seeing the, the results so what you go, you're going for performance and results and always trying to stick performance, the performance will take care of the result, stick with the performance, stick with what you're doing and the results will come and they will and mm. they will, they have to believe that
0: yeah 100% James, what do you think has been the role or opportunity or even period in a certain role that's progressed you the most as a practitioner?
1: Mm. Uh, ooh. The, assistant, the assistant manager roles, the pair of them, were eye-opening. It gave me a, a, a look into a side of football that I knew was there, but you never really appreciated it as much. The, the darker side, you you were taking phone calls off of agents you were dealing with chairman you were you were accountable to a lot more than than you were mm. so becoming organized around having those roles associated to me um i think i think coming back to gillingham with those experiences under my belt was sort of the second phase of my career if you like yeah so i'd, I'd been the intern i'd been assistant manager i'd done i i'd, I'd I'd made my mistakes and now I was ready to go back into, I had some time out of football, I was ready to go back in and and try and put into practice, doing the basics well again, but with a little bit more added onto it. And and I spoke about becoming a dad that slowed me down a little bit, but I'm out the other side of that now. Mm. Um, And probably now, going back to your original question, where the moment is in my career, probably now where the value of the moment is going to stand me in good stead trying to get through the period that we're in.
0: And, and just you, you referenced it there about leaving the club, and obviously, in the circumstances, we'll, we'll move on from, but leaving the club and then going back. What are some of the key differences if we line those two practitioners up, those two versions yeah. of James? Like, what are the big differences? Fantastic,
1: fantastic question. Um, I think, I think maybe the ability to ask, the, ask more questions. So, we're, I, I'd say always asking questions at the moment, always asking the right questions. Whereas before maybe I had, I was given the answers and almost sort of, this is what we want you to deliver. This is how we want you to deliver it. When I'm sort of in my early twenties at the time. Um, and yeah, I digested that and delivered. Whereas now you have to think you're, you're accountable. You're the thought processes. There are people working underneath you. There are um, the, the level has gone up around the club and the staff that you're working with and um, they're, they're, they're maybe the, the two differences between the two James Russells in two different moments. Yeah. It's, no. a, it's a really, really strange question thinking about that. I've, I'm still in my early 30s, by the way. I'm not as old as I've sounded in the last <laughs> half an hour. But you might believe it with the beard and lack of hair, but I'm still, uh, I'm still young in my head.
0: It's really interesting though because you're not going to have many people that have been in the same role at the same club are you but two different um occasions there's probably going to be a yeah. few but I, I doubt there's going to be too many um so it's just really interesting with those experiences in between um i think it, that's where it becomes really important that you're the sponge isn't it and you mentioned before listening um standing back learning and then and then you've also just referenced questioning things i think they're all such valuable traits to have aren't they
1: yeah, and and don't don't be scared to open up the floor and ask ask that your your perceived strengths in tapering, in periodization. Ask people around you what, what their thoughts are, what you're working with some really experienced people, right? Don't be scared to ask them if you think things need modifying or you need to ask another question. And if you if you keep asking the right questions, you'll get you'll get the right answers at some point.
0: Yeah, 100 percent With the players now, James, as well, because obviously it's a tricky period for them. When, when teams are flying, the results are coming in. I imagine some of the challenges that, that coaches are facing with players in the gym or getting them to do extra work or whatever becomes a little bit easier because results are, are going the way they want. At this moment in time, with your support for players, how have you found that?
1: At, at the moment, it's Ben, it's, it's no problem. There's no, we have a, again, you, you asked the question about the two different James Russells. I'd say the two, different dressing rooms and type of dressing rooms that you're dealing with. We have a young and hungry person that want to do extra, want to do more, want to learn, which is great. And it almost makes your job easier. The first James Russell in the first period at this club was tough. We're working with some men, they won't mind me saying towards the end of their careers where maybe the value of sports science wasn't in place throughout the majority of their careers. And they asked more questions as well. Like, and they were difficult. That was a difficult period to work with and learn your communication skills around people that don't do gym or haven't done. Um, so at the moment, but there isn't, I think you always have to explain, And I know people on the podcast, if you explain what you're after, what you need for, from the group, then and what, what the players, the players are still sponges and hungry. They want the answers before they in, talk about buying in that before they buy into it. Um, at the moment, everything's being bought into.
0: Yeah. But that 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 comes off the back of a, a lot of work doesn't it and trust and relationships because that doesn't just happen that there's, there's obviously a lot of work that's gone into that to to create that especially at this moment in time
1: I think that's people I think that's people though that's pe- people in the right places um, and communicating and, and being on a being on a level I was having a conversation with a senior coach just the other day and we were talking about what makes the good coach you've got um, two buckets you've got content and content and then you've got relationships so you can have all the content in the world but if you've got the relationship you ain't mm. going to deliver either you can have all the relationship in the world but if you can't back it up with content you might as well not not bother so you have to meet in the middle but as high up as you can and keep yeah. pushing the content
0: yeah yeah I've, i think that's so important it's, it's been a lot of the conversations that we've had on there isn't it like you know i can think of practitioners that have got that content and knowledge is unbelievable, but they just really struggle in terms of relationship building and vice versa. Um, a lot of coaches great in in the dressing room building relationships, but then the sort of backing it up is is not quite there, and it's, it is really important, isn't it? But I suppose it's noticing that and knowing your strengths as a practitioner, and then stepping back and deciding how you're going to develop whichever one, one needs developing, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and, and and along with that, what I would say is you you put trust in other members of staff um, around you. We have a good department. We have we have people. Um, our name check Thomas Murphy and Gary Hemmings, two people that help drive the department um, as a free, if you like. With with Tom Moore on the S and C side, Gaz on the physio side, with with sort of me in the middle of the continuum and and driving the free experiences and the free different lenses together um, as free different practitioners rather than. Um, sort of unicorn management within a department.
0: Yeah, definitely, mate. You've got to expand. You you mentioned before about the mad dog story and you said you were going to expand on it. So before we go into did the I, quick fire, did I did,
1: did I promise I'd expand on that?
0: Put <laughs> <I>? uh, <laughs> the pressure on you now, haven't I?
1: He was uh he was a brilliant man, a brilliant coach. Um we met up not, not too long ago. Um I'm trying to think of some some anecdotes. Um Actually, it's, it's, probably, it's probably convenient. We're playing Wolves tomorrow in the, in the Carabao. Um, and he's famous for wearing a set of red trousers, a tight red trousers, I might add. Uh, he bought them out on special days, FA Cup days and, and all sorts. But he wore them. We were playing Wolves away at Molyneux, first game back in League One as a football club. And he wore these red trousers. And the kickoff was delayed because it was a sellout. So we're on mid-warm-up and it comes marching over and he goes, stop stop stop, 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 we're a uh, kick off delay 15 minutes, everybody take a seat, relax, shouting, relax, 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 um, and that summed him up as a character. He took control of the situation mid warm up as a manager uh, in front of two thousand traveling fans at molyneux. It was one of the, the the unbelievable experiences of 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 mad dog yeah <laughs> really is so but people like that they, they, um, they never leave you with some of the values that they instill. Um, some of the alternative working theories that, that I still use that maybe others value as outdated. Um, so he's one of the, yeah, I might, might answer a quick fire question for you there, but one of the real, <laughs> people, of the real people that a, mold, can mould a career.
0: Yeah. J- just on that though, as well, like for someone like that, and we've, we've had a few chats with people that have worked with other managers that are super, super experienced. Like he's come, He's come across a hell of a lot of coaches in his time. So just going back to the fact that he picked you out and wanted to and valued the work that you're doing, it just shows, doesn't it, that they're going to notice, like they come across a hell of a lot of coaches. If there's a um, a work rate there and a trust that can be built and that relationship that can be built, they're, they're the guys that are going to really know. So they're the ones to impress.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like I said to any intern, just, just work hard and get all the experience, be the sponge and Um, your personality will shine through off the back of that.
0: Yeah, brilliant, mate. Just touched on some great stuff in there, James. Um, You know that we finished the podcast. You just referenced it a little bit. So I think there's one answer there. But we always start the quick fires with your biggest or some of your biggest influences on your career so far.
1: I'll I'll start with Johnny Wilson. uh, My time at Notts County, we we spoke about it earlier, but somebody that was so so driven as an example of somebody from the sports science medical background, um, wanted every single member of his department whether you're an intern whether you're a full-time member of staff to to come back with a CPD session and, and he would he would drive and demand questions of all of his staff at every moment so he's somebody that maybe I like to model myself on now that I've got people that that look up to me for the same um, yeah. from that side of things yeah Johnny Wilson 100%.
0: Brilliant. Anyone else? Obviously, you've, you've mentioned the uh, the gaffer in there, but anyone else?
1: Yeah, the, the, the current staff, the current staff at the moment. They've worked at a high level. They know what they're talking about. The, their their questions, their methodology, the, the way that they work, um, and uh, the previous management to that, albeit different style, give you a, a a different way of working. So, again, in those moments, in those particular right moments, with both set to my last management were. Mold me to where I am a little bit more now, and as I as I am as a practitioner for sure.
0: Yeah, bro. What would you say your
1: biggest strength is as a coach? Organising, organise and communicate. I know it's. Uh, I think it was one to go back to the thing with Martin. He made every junior member of staff carry a notepad. Um, so you go into any meeting, you're walking up. Even if you're up, in, if you're in the corridor without a notepad, he'd ask why, because at any moment you'll see something that you want to ask a question about, or somebody would say, um, give you something that you want them to deliver, or a player might come to you with, how do I get better? And in those moments, you can't remember everything and all the details that have been spoken about. So um, I was able to, to communicate through that, through making notes and lists. And you'll never see me without a notepad, more often than not. Um, and being able to pull in the people that make a department and a make a football club, from the chef uh, to the coach driver, and being able to organise those people. I think that's a, the strength of mine. Um, certainly around a gym setting, being able to organise sessions, being on the grass and make sure we're delivering the content that we, we decided we need to deliver.
0: Awesome. And if I take you back, if you were able to, we've talked about two James already, we're going to do it again, but we're going to take you back even further. So if I take you back pre-internships, if you had to give that James some career advice, what would it be? Um,
1: don't stagnate. Don't, don't find, there'll be periods in your career where you slow down your drive, where you slow down your learning. For me, I slowed down my networking. Um, I've been, this is my 14th season and probably the first time I've even thought about coming onto a podcast or, or being visible again. Um, don't let the moment that you're in, whether it be difficult or or, or successful, don't let those moments slow you down. Um, I feel like I've lost a chunk of my career through becoming a dad, which happens naturally, but Uh, and COVID chucked into there where I I stagnated. Mm. Um, And I've been honest enough to to say that. And I think if you haven't stagnated, um, yeah, you're probably not telling the truth. So in those moments, I'd be telling the the pre-internship, James Russell, just to to keep driving.
0: Brilliant. And then finally, mate, what's your approach to CPD? continued learning. How do you go about that now?
1: Yeah, it's tough because CPD can cost. Uh, yeah. So we try and do a lot of internal CPD. Um, I've spent X amount on myself in the last two or three years. When we talk about the A license, um, there's no one here at the moment that's going to help me with that. Um, so that that continues. I'm looking at um, looking at some of more of my strength and conditioning workshops and badges to to get those underneath my belt so I can be basis A license and UKCA. Um, so that's my next drive. That's my next target. Yeah. Um, and keep driving the internal CPD that we do around the club and the department. Um, it's difficult because it does, it, you, you want to go on every course, you want to go to every conference and it costs time, it costs money, but you can find ways around that and, and self-fund yourself. It's, if you've got the club to pay for you that you're working at, great at the moment, but when you haven't, you really have to, to try and find moments to, to fill in those gaps.
0: Mate, brilliant. I think that podcast, that episode would relate to a hell of a lot of people and I appreciate your honesty but also like you mentioned coming on at this time I think is so so important um, it's something where you can talk in a position that a lot of people probably will not be doing this right now so I really appreciate you reaching out and coming on and, and speaking the way you have
1: yeah no, that, that's absolutely fine I hope I hope people find it valuable and if you do want to reach out then I'm on LinkedIn if there are moments where you're the same and it affects you, affects you mentally and physically. If there are any practitioner out there in a similar, if you can relate to what we've just spoken about, then, then reach out. Um, but then just believe that there will be moments in your career as your career goes along where the positive times will come back yeah. and, and make the most of them as well. So it's not going to be a 30-year career of promotions, is it? It's going to be, it's going to be bumped in the road. Yeah. I, hope I hope there's some value in, in, in that to people when they're listening.
0: 100%, mate, there will be. And I really appreciate you coming on, James. And best of luck as well for the rest of the season. Yes. Cheers, Ben. Cheers, mate. Thank you for listening to episode 219. And a big, big thank you to James for coming on. Like I said at the very start, not only for reaching out and coming on the podcast, but just also the bravery of coming on at this time. Um, it's a tough time for the club, but I'm sure with a lot of the things that he's covered, Hopefully things turn around for them as well. So go and give him a follow and you can link up with him, connect with him over on Twitter. He's at Jim underscore J Russell and also over on LinkedIn. Just search his name, James Russell. Um, And any sort of feedback and shares, make sure you tag him in on those as well. I'm sure he'd appreciate that. And if anyone wants to reach out, any questions or conversations, I'm sure James will be all ears as well. In terms of takeaways, I think it came back to, we obviously discussed the current time at the club. There's a lot of uncertainty and the results not going the right way, but it came back to doing the basics really well, which is obviously hard and it's something we spoke about in the episode that when results aren't going the right way, I think it's only natural to maybe question if changes are needed to be made. But confirming those non-negotiables, getting your principles in place is really key And it's something you can fall back onto. I think the whole assistant manager role and that opportunity that came up was a really interesting one because James obviously mentioned that officially he was the assistant manager at the club. But when he actually named the roles that he was doing at that time, it's probably what a lot of people do anyway. So a lot of people probably in assistant roles without actually officially having that title. And then obviously he spoke about the dark side of football we didn't go into too many details around what actually happened at each individual club but he, he, he told a few stories around um, losing jobs and that is the, the facts of what goes on in football and I think what it comes back to is that he's obviously impressed people along the way where the next opportunity has presented itself to him from the work that he's previously done and I think that's the takeaway so these things happen it, it unfortunately happens in football but it, there's also opportunities out there that if you impress the right people and you do a good job then hopefully opportunities present themselves at times when you need that as well we, a whole topic we could probably do in itself was the impact of fatherhood where he took his step back from the role so I thought that was really interesting as well and also taking criticism I think it's a really important one it's sort of dropping the ego and, and being able to take criticism which I think is really hard and um, but it's something that you have to do at times throughout your career as well. And then we also spoke around the content versus relationships and it's trying to balance the two. Have you got enough relationships and that network that we talk about and how good is the content that you're actually putting out? And I think it's trying to find that balance and probably asking yourself and doing a bit of analysis on yourself as a coach on which area you need to work on the most. So plenty of takeaways on this one i really enjoyed this episode so please give it a share like i mentioned at the start and a big thank you to james for coming on the podcast make sure you go and check out the work that rezzle are doing search at rezzle over on social media doing some incredible work in vr Um, so go and give those guys a follow and connect with them and i hope everyone has had a great christmas and going into the new year all the best for the new year as well and I'll speak to you again next week in episode 220